Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and if it's your first time here, we're very excited to have you. I hope you all had a decent Thanksgiving or a good one. I've talked to a few. You get different reports, you know. It was a very, very good Thanksgiving. Hope you had a good one as well. We're uh, we're starting a new series called Centerpiece. Uh, the idea of uh, the peace of God being the center of Christmas, what it's about, and God wants you to have peace in the center of your life. I don't know how it is for you, but uh, I was asking some people Thanksgiving. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Good. And then the, the husband goes, mm. I go, what, what's mm mean? Eh, you know, the holidays. You know, uh, what is it? Uh, how's, the, how's the song go? It, the, the silver bells, it says, and you hear the hustle and bustle. You hear silver bells. He wasn't hearing silver bells. It was family drama. Family drama. People getting into it this season. You know, that's what seems to happen. Am I right? And Thanksgiving is kind of the setup. You know, Halloween's too scary to get to hold a grudge. We got to wait till Thanksgiving. You know, we're all supposed to be in a good mood. And then somebody has it out with somebody or something goes wrong. And I was just asking them, you know, how their Thanksgiving was, and it turned into a report just how sometimes it just, the holidays just aren't that great. It's not that wonderful. It can be pretty volatile, a lot of anxiety at times. Um, and so uh, I was thinking about this, the idea that uh, what's Christmas really about? You know, I don't know how you are. I mean, uh, are you at peace? Do you are you experiencing some peace at this time of the year? Or do you find yourself running all over the place, making sure everything's took care of, and you get caught up in just the the momentum of the Christmas season? That, um, you know, you just a lot of stuff going on inside. Um, I want you to think about that this morning. Just, are you at peace? And, and and where would you like to have some peace? Maybe it's some peace with some family members or a friend. I would like to have some peace that with some people I know. Sure. Or maybe it, maybe it's some peace just inside. You've got you got stuff that's happening and it's it's got you anxious. It's got you you're un, you have some un, unsettled unrest, some restlessness that, that you're struggling with, and you're like, man, I just like to be able to have just a moment. You know, a Black Friday. You know, where it's quiet, and I can just have some peace inside. Or maybe you're somebody you're going. You know what? I've, I look over the past year, and I, I look at the way things have been, and I've just not been the man or the woman that God wants you to be. And so I find out I got a little guilt going on, I got a little shame going on, and I just I don't like that, and I'm just wrestling with that. And I know I need to do something. I'm wanting that peace that passes all understanding that Paul talks about in Philippians. I'd love to experience that. Well, you've come to the right time of the year to Greater Alton, and I want you to know we're going to be spending the next several weeks looking at peace, the centerpiece of God on Christmas. You know, most Americans are not experiencing a lot of peace. In fact, uh, the last several years, it's kind of ramped up anxiety level. I don't know if it's since the election or whatever, but it seems like there's constantly, there's this constant barrage that's making us anxious, Unsettled, afraid, worried. The top three things Americans are anxious about, first of all, is health. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Your health. Or maybe finances is number two. People are caught up in worrying about that and being anxious about how they're going to make ends meet. 
and their relationships. You bottle all that up and, you, and it's in the future. All this is what's going to happen. During a time of great unrest, Isaiah would write these words that, that refer, that a lot of people use to refer to Christmas. And you can find them on your notes or up here on the screen. It's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, while Christmas is a big deal, it's still a big deal in this world. You know, it, it split history. It's the center of history when you stop and think about it. You can't date a document or date a check without a reference to Christmas. Because now, instead of before Christ, it's all A.D. It's after Christ. And so, so we, we, we seek, we're reminded of, of this, this incredible moment in the history of man. And why is it such a, why should it be honored? Why should it be uh, such a, such an honored holiday? Of all the places that, uh, should honor Christmas, it's in churches. I think of Easter and Christmas. Am I right? They're the two big ones. Why does, why does the world pause? Even the secular world pause and think about the day or the day that's referred to as the day Christ was born. It's because of who came and what He brought. He brought, He was the Prince of Peace, and He brought peace on this earth. Zechariah later in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 would say these words, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Angels would start singing to shepherds and they would say this in just a chapter later. They would say, Give glory to God in heaven and on earth. Let there be peace to the people who please God. This is one of the reasons we celebrate Christmas. It's because of what Christ brought. He brought something from heaven that wasn't on earth. It was peace. God's peace. See, the world doesn't have it. Never did. Never will. It can't be found here on earth. Well, this kind of peace only comes from the Prince of Peace. Again, Jesus talks about His peace in John 14. I give you peace, He says to His disciples. The kind of peace that only I can give. Would you circle that phrase? The peace that only I can give? It isn't from the world. He says, it isn't like the peace of this world can give. So don't be worried or afraid. Don't be worried or afraid anymore. Because what I'm going to give you will answer your worries and your fears. It's my peace. Now what's the difference? I got to think, well, what's the difference between God's peace and the world's peace? Let me give you a few here. Several, but here's, here's what I, I noticed and it kind of helped me. The world's peace is based on conditions. It's based on circumstances. I'm embarrassed how quickly my circumstances influence my peace. I'm fickled. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? You can have a great day and a bad day on the same day. How does that happen? Well, one phone call. Uh, an email. You see something on Facebook and you're either up or down by it. You hear something. You see something. And it just changes. Peace, worry, peace, anxiety, confidence, insecurity. They just go back. 
I'm just telling you who I, what I'm like. It's back and forth all the time. Why? Because I'm fickled and I'm, I'm letting my conditions, I'm looking to the, my conditions, my circumstances, my situations to determine whether I'm at peace or not. Micah 3, look at this in one of the minor prophets. The Lord says this about the prophets who teach His people the wrong way of living. If someone gives these prophets food to eat, they shout, peace. But if someone doesn't give them food, they prepare for war against them. What happened? Circumstances changed. Peace disappears just as soon as things start to turn ugly. Why? Because it's world's peace. And the world's peace is fragile. It's fickle. It's fleeting. It turns on, it turns on a dime. Now God's peace is different. Point number two, God's peace is based on His character. Not on circumstances. Not on, condi- not, not on situations. Now we've all experienced somebody who's broke a promise. Am I right? Family member, a friend. You know, and, and their intentions are good. They're always good. They always, they, they strive. They want to, but they break, why? They're human beings. We break promises. We don't want to break them, but that, it happens and it disappoints us. God is not like that at all. He doesn't break His promises. And why do people break the promises? What does it, what does it reveal about them? It reveals their character. And so when God keeps His promises, what's it reveal? It reveals His character. And the thing is, God keeps His word. Jesus said this in John 16.33. He's telling His disciples this. I've told you this so that my peace, circle my peace, my peace, not world's peace. He's saying the peace I brought on Christmas, the, the peace I bring, my peace, not the world's, my peace will be with you. In the world you'll have trouble, but cheer up. I've overcome the world. I've overcome all the circumstances the world will throw at you. I've overcome all the things that the world can have at you. See, so His peace isn't fleeting. It's not fragile. It's eternal. It's based on His character. And that's what, when I realize that, and I have that peace, then I can experience this kind of peace that, well, that that is there in the midst of chaos. I get with a preacher every Monday morning. We have coffee, talk about our sermons. James Lampley over at Godfrey Church. And, we're, and we talk, and we'll talk about this in the morning. And um, I, ask, I always ask him, how's it going, James? He goes, well, you know, the crazies. Typical crazies. Everybody probably could say that, right? You got crazy stuff happening all the time. Well, God says, I bring, I'm going to bring you peace. Even if when you have trouble, you're going to be at peace. Now, here's another thing about the world. The world's peace, catch this now, treats the symptoms of the problem. And I love treating the symptoms. I'm going to be honest with you. NyQuil. Go, go, go. Take one cup, Tim. I thought it said one bottle. No, you're going to be loopy all night. No, no, I like, I like, I want the symptoms to go away. I was having a grinding sound. My truck was having a grinding sound. You know, you ever, you ever had that where you back it up? What's that? You hit the brakes. Pull forward. What is this sound? I must have bad brakes. So I decided to take it apart. I take the back, and sure enough, the brake pads were real thin. So I put some new brakes on, put it in gear. What's the deal? I just want the sound to go away. What is going on there? 
I'm trying to take care of... I've, I've got the symptom. I just want it to go away. You know what it was? My gas tank was hanging down. And the strap was rubbing against the drive shaft. I just wanted the noise to stop. Well, what's causing the noise? See, the world isn't interested in the cause. They're not interested in the cure. Most of the time, the world just wants there to be some just some relief. And so they go after the symptoms. You ask people, what's wrong with the world today? And I've, have you ever been with somebody? You ask them, what do you think's wrong with Oh, it's the stock market. Oh, it's our government. Oh, I saw a bumper sticker the day that said, elect a clown, expect a circus. Now, you can either take that as a Republican or a Democrat. I, I'm noticing it works both ways, huh? Yeah, I just noticed that, all right? What are you trying to say, Tim? I'm just saying. You elect a clown, expect a circus. It's going to be one. So it's the government, man, or, or, or the environment. Man, people, the environment, the global warming, we're experiencing, we're going to have 50-degree weather, then 9-degree weather. This is all weird. It's weather, but it's weird. The environment, that's what's wrong with this world. Or, or, or the health care. If we could just get the health care right, if we could get, if we could find a way to make, regulate it, do something, work with it, negotiate, I don't know, something, then education, there's the problem with our world. If we could just get people more educated. And so what's the world do? The world sees these problems just like we all do. And what does it do? It starts focusing on things like reform and feeding people and medication and regulations and funding. It's like the world's putting a band-aid on the wound. But it feels good. It feels better. And they're content with, that's peaceful enough. That's the problem with the world. That's the problem when you go after symptoms. And you don't find out what's at the core of it. Look at this in Jeremiah 6. Wow, these are an interesting passage. God is speaking through Jeremiah. And he says to Jeremiah, they treated, God's saying, they treated my people's wounds superficially, telling them peace, peace. One translation says, they, they treated the, the wound lightly and said, it's going to be okay, but it's not okay. There is no peace. Here's a passage up on the screen from Ezekiel I found. It is because they lead my people. He's talking about the leadership now during Ezekiel's time. It is because they lead my people the wrong way by saying peace when there's no peace. When the people build a weak wall, the prophets cover it with whitewash to make it look strong. Just a thin cover of paint. You know, I don't news. I got news for you. If your car is running bad, a new coat of paint ain't going to change it. Just fix it. I'll make it look prettier. It's still going to run crappy. Still going to make the grinding sound. You got to figure out what is it. See, and that's how the world is. It treats the symptoms of the problem. Whereas God's peace cures the cause of the problem. What's the problem? What's at the bottom of everything? Sin. That's what's at the bottom. I read this, this quote. I, I heard it on TV and I had to check it out. I, heard, I like Blue Bloods. And I heard this quote on Blue Bloods, so I thought, oh, i got to check this out. Where is it? Who said this? And this was said by a guy named Gabriel Garcia Marquez in a book called A Life. It's his biography. And here's what, here's what uh, he said. Everyone has three lives. 
a public life, a private life, and a secret life. You agree with that? Everybody has a public life. What you see is what you get. A private life, you don't know everything. I don't know everything about you, but somebody knows. Some people do, close friends, family. But then there's the secret life. Nobody knows about it. The only person that knows about it is your Creator, is God Himself. You and God are the only two people. You don't talk about it. You don't share it with anybody. You don't let anybody know what's going on there. It's your secret life. And folks, a lot of times, I'm, t- I'm just t- confessing to you, I don't experience the peace of God. I don't experience the peace of God, peace on earth, because I don't have peace from heaven in that secret place. You hear me? In that secret inner place, the center of me, the core of me, the root of everything I think, of everything I feel, of everything I do. And when I don't have this peace, see, another band-aid isn't going to fix it. Well, if I make more money, then I'll, I'll be at peace. It doesn't work. That's why it doesn't work. Because I'm only dealing with the symptom. Oh, if I had another person, another marriage, another, another possession, another pleasure. Well, don't they, they do something, right, Tim? Because everybody, exactly, for a little while, they're temporary, they're fickle. But it's like a band-aid. But what about the, the heart of hearts is what some people call it. The core of us. That secret place. The cause of the problem. God wants to... He brought Christmas to get to that. That's what His peace is designed to do. The world can't get there. But God can. He wants to get there. You got some place like that? That secret place? And when nobody knows but you and God, and you look, you know, you think, man, God, look at it. He's looking with you. You know, look at him. Look at that. He goes, well, I see something. What do you see? I see something I can work with. Huh? Oh, yeah. Would you let me in there? Let me get in there. It's ugly. Lots of anxiety, lots of unrest. Let me get in there. Let me give you my peace. He wants to cure the problem. Look at it says in Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our rebellious acts. He was crushed for our sins. He was punished so that we could have peace. He's talking about His peace now. And we received healing from His wounds. Not a band-aid healing. You know, the word for peace is the root word of it or the word we get is the word shalom. It's a Jewish word, shalom. And it doesn't mean the lack of noise or the lack you know, lack of chaos. It, it, it means much deeper than that. It's, it talks about mending it back together, bonding it back together, making it whole again. And see that down at the root of all of us is brokenness. 
And God, and that's what sin is. It's, we're in a broken world. We eat, eat, drink, sleep, breathe brokenness. And God is trying to get there. And He wants to give us peace there. Why? Because when you have peace in that secret place, then it, it flows into my private life, into my public life. The flow doesn't go backwards. It starts down in the deepest part of our hearts. That's why the Bible talks about things like letting the peace... Listen, look at this. Look at this. I love this. Let the peace that Christ gives... In other words, not the world gives. I tell you what, I don't know how you are. I like the color. I like to draw in my Bible. I circle that stuff all the time. That Christ gives, yeah, control your thinking. What do you mean control your thinking? Well, here's some other words, other translations used for that word control. To rule your heart. To guide. To decide. One translation used umpire. Umpire? Yeah, umpire. You're out. You're safe. You know, the umpire has the last word, right? Let him be the judge. Another one says arbitrator. Let... Let the peace of, that God gives, that Christ gives, be the decider, the judge, and decide how you're going to respond to everything else that happens to you. Let it control, dominate the source, your core, your center, your thinking, your secret life. I want that. I don't know how you are, but there's times I'm content with a band-aid. I'm content with the public life and the private and having peace there, just getting along with people. I just want to get along with people. But I, I I've inherited this face. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've got this face when it's deadpan, it looks like you're smelling something. Or when you try to say something encouraging, it just doesn't sound encouraging. You try. You give it your best shot. I just like to be able to have peace on those levels. And God say, Oh, Tim, let's get to the big boy stuff, the big girl stuff. Let's get to the secret, the core of you, the center of you. Because my peace was not around on this earth and I brought it here and I don't want you to be content just in those levels. Let's get to the very core of everything you think, every value you have, every decision you make, how you feel about things. You've got to open up that vault. You've got to open up that place. You want my peace to rule your heart. And when you have this peace that passes all understanding, like Philippians 4 says, what's it say? It says, and it will guard your public life, private life. What's it say, church? Heart, secret life. You got peace in your secret life? Wouldn't you like to have it? Well, how do I do that? How do I experience the peace that God gives? The peace that Jesus brought on Christmas. He says in Matthew 11, these words, He says this to His disciples, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, and I, for I am gentle and humble in heart and will give you rest for your souls. And I was looking at this passage and he said, you notice he says, come to me all you are weary and burdened. Weary and burdened by what? Well, in this, in the context of this passage, they're weary and burdened from looking for God. 
They're weary and burdened by the law, the Old Testament law. There was a law for everything. Everything had to be counted. Everything had to be done properly. Everything. And it was all temporary. It was all temporary. And it was, it was hard to do. A person could, could raise, could raise a crop, but you gotta make sure you give this much to God and you make sure you give this much to the temple and you make, and, and they go, oh, this is crazy. Some people would sell their land because it was so hard to do. And they say, forget that. I'll just get some sheep. I'll just get some, you know, get some livestock. Well, if you're gonna get livestock, you gotta give your best to the, to the Lord for sacrifice. And when you shear all the sheep, well, you've gotta give this much and you've gotta put this much to the temple. Oh, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. I'm telling you, it was hard being a Jew. Everything had to be counted out constantly. It was constantly on your brain. And Jesus says, I come here to fulfill what all that hassle was about. And I've come here to give you some peace. Are you overworked, overstressed, overdone? Guys, that's why uh, the message says burned out on religion. The context of this passage is talking about how hard it is to be, to follow and be right with God. Jesus says, I want to take that all away. I want to make it easier. And the anxiety, I want to take the worry of what if, what if, what if. I want to take that away. I want to replace it with something else. How do I experience by the way, you're not worried. Again, is anybody here weary from giving sacrifices at the temple? I mean, anybody here? Just show hands. I didn't think so. We're overworked, overwhelmed, and weary and anxious and unsettled with all kinds of other things, right? Every day, every day. Right now, right now, we got stuff in our head and we're unsettled by it. Fears, worries, failures, shameful things. We're feeling guilt. Jesus says, I want you to experience, I want you to find rest for your souls. What does He mean? Rest in that secret place. To have a heart at rest. What would life be like if you could just have that kind of peace? I know what, there's times when I've had peace, I've had conflict with somebody, and then it's resolved. I have like this euphoric high, and people have to tell me to calm down. Whenever things are finally made right, I don't have to go like this anymore. I don't have to worry about what they're thinking anymore. Because it's right, and we're at peace with each other. What's it like to have, have a peace with God? I've, I've, I've been to church and go to church sometimes, and I feel this little... What is this inside me that's unsettled? I know I could do better. I know I, oh Lord, I wish I, oh, I, I just feel like I don't measure up. And man, doggone it, this is just, oh, I hate this feeling all the time. I'd like to have some peace. What would it be like if I had this peace that passes my understanding where I had nothing ever, ever, ever to worry about? I want that. And Christmas came to give that. How? Jesus says, you want to find rest for your soul? Three things. First one, come come to me. Come to Jesus. I love this. I hear this all the time. I, and I've, I don't try to bring up bad stuff. But you know, the, the, 
holidays are not always happy. Okay? Were you invited to whatever? You know what I'm talking about? They didn't invite me. They went out and picked out a tree and didn't invite me. They had Thanksgiving, didn't invite me. Oh, I see it on Facebook. They're all posing, having a great time. I wasn't part of it. Why didn't they invite me? What have I done? No gooders. You get all bothered. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They didn't include me. They didn't invite me. Look what Jesus is about. Come to me. I hear people say, Oh, God don't care about me. You know, He's inviting you all the time. Come to me. Come to me. I don't know about you, if I got an invitation to the White House, I would go. And I would let everybody know. Look what I got. If I got invited to a, a Packer game, and they said, We want you to come, we want you to, we want you to come watch the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers. A letter from Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I wouldn't tell anybody. I'd be rubbing it in your face, especially if you're a Patriot fan. <laughs> or a Bears fan. <laughs> to be invited by a celebrity? Jesus says, the Son of God, Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace says, come to me. Come to me. He invites me. He wants me. Let me ask you a question. Where do you go when you're trying to find some peace? Because I'll tell you where I go. My TV says, come to me. TCM, come to me. American Pickers, Mike and Frank, they're saying, come to me. Or maybe it's the refrigerator. It says, it's beckoning me. Come to me. Let's spend some time together. I went and saw Frozen 2. I'm not spoiling. I love that. I love Frozen. We, we got a Christoph Slay in the kids' ministry right now. It's, uh, I've made it and painted it. And, it and, and in Frozen 2, Christoph Slay has wheels on it. Oh, now what am I going to do? I'm sitting there watching it with all my grandkids. They're all just chabbering like a bunch of chipmunks. And I'm in heaven. Loving it. Where do you where do you go to unwind? Where do you go to find peace? Oh, I love going to the beach. Oh, the beach, yeah. Yeah, I went to Hawaii one time. Oh, beautiful beach. You know, they bombed that one time. They bombed that place, but it doesn't look like no bomb now. It's beautiful. Waikiki, nice. Then I had to come home. Oh, maybe you maybe you're a mountain person. I go to the mountains. And you head to the mountains, and oh, it's beautiful, and it's so wonderful, and the air is crisp, and, and there's the eagle, yeah, you know, whatever it does, you know, and you're going, wow, the eagle, I feel so patriotic, it's wonderful, you know, but you have to come down from the mountains, am I right? And back to life. Maybe it's vacation, I don't know, maybe it's a hobby. You like to build something, you like to make, like to tinker something, like to work with something. But the project ends. The vacation's over. And what do you got? All that stuff's still waiting for you. 
And all that stuff says, come, 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 come. And we go, 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 go. And Jesus says, come, do we go? Is Jesus my first option when I'm worried? He says, you come to me, Tim, and you'll get, you'll get, you'll sleep like you've never slept before. What do you mean? You're going to be so at rest. It's going to be, my peace will be at the center of everything you are. Here's what I've learned over the years. There is no peace when God has no place in my life. Whenever I take God out of this, whatever place, wherever I am in life, if He's not in that place, I have no peace. Whenever I'm worried and jostling rest, I have to go, well, what's going on here? Well, I'm not in my Bible. I'm not really talking to the Lord. I'm not even thinking about any of His promises. I'm focused on the problem and not peace. I'm focused on whatever you know the thing that's scaring me rather than the Lord Himself. That's why, listen, you don't find a, you won't find peace in a pill, you won't find it in a possession, you won't find it in a bottle, you won't find it in pleasure. You know, you may get some relief, but it never lasts. The lasting peace comes from one person, and it's Jesus Christ. He's the one I should look to. Acts ten thirty six said, "There is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all." I can have peace because He's in control of everything. I come to Him. Number two, I connect with Him. You know, you can come to Jesus and not connect. Come to the party. Have a good time. And we show up at the party, but we're kind of off by ourselves. Can you come to Jesus and not connect? They did it to Him all the time, folks, in the Bible, and they still do it today. Well, they like the idea of coming to Jesus when they're in trouble, but they're not not connecting. Look what He says here. Take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest for your souls. Take my yoke. I don't know anybody talks even like that. I think of, I think of eggs when I think of yolks. You know, what's a yoke? A yoke is, and I grew up on a farm, a yoke is simply a piece of wood that bonds two animals together. And by the way, this piece of wood, this yoke, is not something that's just cut out carelessly. It is custom fit to each animal. It's, there's a story, traditionally, that believe that Jesus made yokes. He made good yokes. They fit true. In fact, some carpenters, for their sign, they would have a yoke as their sign. Because a lot of these guys would come in, they'd have a new ox or some animal, and they'd say, okay, first we cut it out, and then we trim it, and we fit it just right so it doesn't chafe the animal. It doesn't you know, rub the hide right off of it, and it's able to work efficiently. So when he says, take my yoke, is Jesus saying I gotta do more? No. He's saying do more together. Let's do more together. Let's do it do it with me. You see, because a yoke see is used to to partner with another animal to provide strength, and it makes the job easier. Is my, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He means, what he's saying is, my yoke fits perfectly and lightens the load. But I have to take it. I can't just come to it. I've got to connect. I've got to take this yoke and actually connect myself with Christ. There's an old, old song when I was a kid. 
It went like this. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. I sang it just like that guy, huh? It comes from a story about an old man at one time walking down the path in Ireland and he saw this boy carrying a smaller child and he's going, what are you doing? Isn't he heavy? No, mister, he's not heavy. He's my brother. And the point being, his love for his brother made the load lighter. And when I connect with Jesus, and I just come to Him, when I connect with Him, I experience the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, and it makes the load lighter. It ain't as heavy. He, he, I'm partnering with Him, but I'm also experiencing something from Him. And it's His love that makes the load lighter. So He says, let's, let's, let's pull together. Trust Me. Let Me pull with you. And see, connecting is trusting Jesus. Like I said before, you can, you can come to Jesus and not connect. A lot of people say, well, I've, I've tried Jesus, I've come to Jesus, but I've had no peace. You've not connected. You just, you're satisfied just being in the same room with Him. He wants to be pulling together the same way. And see, connecting involves surrendering pride and independence. Did you check that promise again? Um, let's go. Can you go, can you go back to Matthew 11? Well, I'm putting care on the spot here. Matthew 11. Notice he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Gentle and humble. The two things that, that are, that are, you could say would be against peace or, or anonyms of peace are the opposite of these two features. Gentleness, aggression, Humble pride. And when we're aggressive and when we're prideful, we can't experience peace. All we'll experience is strife. Now he says here, take this yoke and learn from me, for I am humble. I am gentle. And see, that takes surrender. Look at Isaiah 26 here with me. You, Lord, give true peace to those who depend on You because they trust You. So I come to Jesus and I make this commitment to connect to Jesus. Are you making time to connect with Jesus? Is He going to be more than some habit? He actually be, will you actually pull the same direction he pulls, letting him, letting him help you? That's a big deal when it comes to peace. And the third thing is, I copy the life of, of Jesus. He says, "Come to me, connect with me, and learn from me." Let me ask you, well, who is the most influential person in your life? Who would you say has been the most influential person in your life? You say, why is that so important? Well. It's because every response in your life, every response in my life, we've learned from someone else. You ever had anybody say this? You're acting just like your, you're acting just like your father. You're acting just like your mother. You're acting just like your sister. You're acting just like the boss. And see, we learn these things from our moms and our dads, our teachers. 
our mentors. And see, every time when something happens to us, we bring all of them into this situation. Right? You think of all their influence. We bring it into that situation. And so when someone says to me, you're acting just like your dad or your grandpa or your whatever, they've just identified one of the influential people in my life. I'll, I'll tell Denise, I'll say, you act just like your mother. She doesn't act like her mother all the time. Just happened to be, happened to do it right then. Well, you're acting just like your father. Well, all the time? Most of the time, but not all the time. And see, life, see, is this learning process we, lo- we, we keep learning from people. It's learned. And, and by the way, a life of peace is a learned thing. It is caught. Not just taught. It's caught. Look at Ephesians 2 here, or Ephesians 5 here. This is the message paraphrase. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of Himself to us. Love like that. You see, when you and I make a commitment to learn from Jesus, then we're going to catch His views, His values, and His character. You're going to find yourself responding to crisis more like Christ. You're bringing Him, like you brought all those other influential people, you're bringing Him into that situation. Now, I'm not saying that life all of a sudden just turns rosy and wonderful and full of puppies. It never works that way. Jesus' life wasn't that way either. And your life and my life isn't going to be like that. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I, find, I find it's true when I'm learning from Jesus, I start living like Jesus and I find His peace. Psalms 119, verse 165 says, Those who love your teachings will find true, true, true peace. And how does... How, I love His teaching by wearing something around my neck or putting it on a, a sticker. No. Putting it on a screensaver. No. I love His teachings by doing them, by incorporating them, by putting them into practice. As we close, I want to show you a couple of verses and, and we'll be through here. It says, Happy is the person who finds wisdom. Talk about God's wisdom here. Great proverb. The one who gets understanding. In other words, God's understanding. Wisdom is worth more than silver. It brings more profit than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you could want is equal to it. With her right hand, wisdom offers you long life, and with her left hand, she gives you riches and honor. Now listen to this. Wisdom will make your life pleasant and will bring you peace. I never noticed it said that. God's wisdom will bring me peace? Yeah, Tim. You mean, so I'll never have any more problems? Oh, no, no, no. You'll have this peace inside you all the time. Just like Christ, you're sleeping in the bottom of a boat and everything else is breaking loose. You're going to be able to be calm and not be crazy. Because you've learned from the Lord and you've caught His peace. As a tree produces fruit, wisdom gives life to those who use it. And everyone who uses it will be happy. I'd like to say we'll be at peace. Are you at peace this morning? We're going to spend the next three weeks looking at the kinds of peace God wants to give us. 
spiritual peace, emotional peace, relational peace, peace with others, peace with God, peace within. How does that happen? How can we make that happen? I hope you'll come back and you'll bring some people. This will be a great series for us. Now let me show you this last thing. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 This is a blessing that Paul gives upon the Thessalonians and he wants to give it to you this morning. Now may the Lord Himself, the Lord of peace, pour into you His peace. I circle that. Pour into you His peace. In other words, open yourself up to the Lord's peace. Open yourself up to God and let Him fill you with His peace in every circumstance and in every possible way. I pray you'll be able to experience that peace, that you'll experience this verse during this series. And let me encourage you. Make a commitment this morning. Some of you here just need to come to Jesus. You you need to come and you need to connect with Him. Make, Make that commitment to Him and learn from Him. Some of you here need to learn. You're connecting, but you need to learn. Learn from Him. And you'll discover His peace. There's a card in the bulletin, and that card's simply a chance to respond. We didn't tell Mike Napier last week. He thought we would have people coming down the aisle, and I watched him sitting there trying to get people coming down the aisle and go, they're not moving. <laughs> I know it's bad. I know it's bad. That was great. You know, but you can make that decision. Why, why don't we have a big altar call? You can make that decision right there where you are. Okay? And that's what that card's for. Maybe you need to make a commitment this morning. I need to make a commitment to start coming to Jesus. Go to Jesus first. I need to connect to Jesus. I really need to connect. And maybe, how do I connect with Jesus? There are several ways you can connect. One is connecting in a small group. Connecting with the body, the rest of His body, His people, His believers, His family. But maybe I just, I'm doing the coming and the connecting to Him, but I'm not doing any copying. I'm not really, I just, I'm not to that level yet. I need to make that commitment. Well, how about writing that down? Let some people pray over this card you have. So you can experience this peace. This Christmas peace. The angel said this. Peace on earth and goodwill toward those with whom God's pleased. Peace isn't for everybody. It's for those who have a relationship with God. Maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Is make that kind of a choice. And say, I need to open the Bible up with somebody. I think there's a box where you can check. I want to open the Bible. I want a Bible study. Or maybe you need to rededicate your life. Why not check that box so you can start and begin to experience the peace of God? We're going to pray, and then after we pray, we'll have a song and give you time to fill out those cards, and then we'll sing another song and collect those cards along with our our weekly contribution. I want to remind our guests here today, if you're a guest, you're under no obligation to give to this church. If you want to, thank you. You're not here to get something out of your pocket. We're trying to give you something. We're wanting to put something in your heart. And for the rest of us here at Greater Alton members, you know, besides getting something in your heart, I hope you'll give from your heart and give generously. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for the peace that you bring. Father, there's been times I've, I've experienced it. Times I just feel that inner peace that I can't even explain. And then something happens and it's gone. And Father, I just pray, I, we pray together, we pray that we'll have this lasting peace this eternal peace that You want us to have. 
Father, we pray that some of us here who are really going through something, we're really at unrest. Would you show us what we need to do? What we need to be? Remind us of your promise. Remind us of your promise that you love us. Father, help us seek you and find that peace, that center peace you brought this Christmas. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.